To continue with the message this morning, life-changing prayer. That's a prayer that you pray that will change your life. And I'm likening this type of prayer because God has called us to pray uh, at least an hour. At least an hour. Uh, that doesn't mean if you can't pray for an hour, you're not going to heaven. But you need to pray for at least an hour if you want to grow as a Christian. If you want an intimate relationship with your father where you know God and God can speak to you and you can hear his voice. That's what we're saying. Some people don't want to grow. But if you really want to grow in God so you don't act uh, as a religious person, but somebody who really knows God and has confidence in God, you know, man, what people think, that's very important. Father, I ask that you speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm likening the prayer for everyone, a prayer, a kind of prayer that will do three things, which I will go into later. Three things for your life as a Christian. And I'm going to go real methodically today because I want to cover a lot of things. And for you to understand and see how this can actually change your life. First, is going to strengthen your faith in God. That's one of the things he's going to do. He's going to strengthen your faith in God. He's going to cause your mind to be renewed. And then he's going to clarify your, your vision. And so that's this type of prayer. The Bible says you are the temple of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy of Holies is in you. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to come to this sanctuary. Where you are, that's where God is. That's God's address. Where you are. So you can be in your car. That's the Holy of Holies. At that point, God is right there with you. But I want to take you back to the tabernacle where God told the children of Israel to come and pray before him and to worship him. And so when you come into God's tabernacle, the temple, you go first into the outer court. And the first thing that you see is the altar, the brazen altar. That represents the cross. And everything that the cross is done for us. So when you get before there, and when I get before there, I see Jesus, according to his word, he is lifted up on the cross for me. I see him in my mind. God blesses your imagination. He gave you that. It's not wrong to imagine things. So you imagine Jesus, even though it's not there, but for, your, for the benefit of your mind and for your soul. You see him lifted up before you, and everything is shut out. And you recognize he paid the price for my sin. He was wounded for my transgression. You know that he was bruised for your iniquities. You know that your peace is in what he's doing right now. He's right there. And you're thanking him for what he's done for you. And your mind is focused on him as you are thanking God for what he's done. No more destruction in my life. No more sickness and disease in my life. And you're telling him, because of what you've done now, Jesus, I cannot be sick. You praise him. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So I'm praising him for what he's done for me. Not for him, but for me. As I praise him, I receive glory from him. And his Shekinah glory comes upon me, heals my body. I know that he paid the price for my life. He came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible said that he died 
becoming poor, dying among thieves, had no clothes on. They took everything that was precious from him. He died for my poverty. Bible says he became poor that me, me, you and I, us through his poverty might become rich. So I can never be poor because of what he's done. And I'm thanking him, Jesus, you see, because of what you've done. Hanging up there, poverty is not legal or for my life. I can't have it. You can't die for nothing. Amen. How can you die for my poverty? And I remain poor. My family not provided for. I'm not depending on anybody. I'm depending on him. I got nothing to prove to anybody. I'm just praying. And by and by, he moves me to that place. So I see him on the cross. I can say I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm no longer afraid of death. I died with him. I'm not afraid of death anymore. I was buried with him. Jesus, I was buried with you. I rose with you. I ascended with you. I am seated at God's right hand with you. That's what the Bible says. I'm seated even though you've seen me. I'm off over there. Jesus said of the Son, He said, No one has seen the Father except the Son who is in heaven. He was talking right here on earth. But He didn't say who was in heaven. He said the Son who is in heaven even though He was here. So in the mind of God, I died with Him. You can't kill me twice. I died with Him. I was buried with Him. I rose with Him. I am seated in the heavenly places with Him. Far above all principalities and powers. You can't touch me. So I thank Him for it. At the cross. As you do all of that, what you're doing is, you are strengthening your faith. With the word of God, you are renewing your mind. You are clarifying your vision, your, your identity in Christ. And the Holy Spirit says, yes, amen. So shall it be. So shall it be as you do that. And as I leave the, the brazen serpent, the next thing you see is the lever. And right there, the liver is like a big bowl, and the bottom of it is like a mirror. And that's where the priest in the Old Testament puts on his makeup. I think ladies can relate to this. <laughs> he goes in and he looks at himself, and he cleans himself up because he's going to go into the holy place. And the holy place, that's where going very close, really close to God. So he has to prepare himself. All the priests have to do this before they go there. The lever actually represents the, the, uh, excuse me, the lever represents the law. I'm going to explain that to you. The lever represents the law. So where you clean yourself. Now, we have to understand this, that we don't live under the law. The law has been set aside. But the law, the Bible tells us that what the law could not do, Romans chapter, chapter 8, I believe Romans chapter 8, it says, verse 3, For what the law could not do in that it was weak 
through the flesh. God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and on account of sin, he destroyed sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So the problem wasn't with the law, it was sin in the flesh. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent His Son to condemn sin in the flesh so that the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us. Now, Romans chapter 7, uh, verse 12, I believe there, it says, For the commandments, uh, commandments are good and just and holy. Commandments are good and just and holy. The problem with the commandment was sin in our flesh. But Jesus came, He nailed sin, removed sin, so that the righteousness, the work God or the assignment God assigned to uh, the commandments can be fulfilled in our lives. So, we can actually use the commandments to position ourselves. We don't live by the law, but we can use the commandments to position ourselves so that when we go into His presence, we get everything we want. Because that's what it is. So, the first thing I want to know, when you read the commandments, the four part, and then again in the New Testament commandments, the first four commandments, first four commandments, deals with your relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And then the last six deal with man. Honoring God and honoring man. So, I want to know in my mind, God, as I come before you right now, I will not have any other God before you. There's not going to be anything, any person, any being in this world. God, you are my God. That's what I'm saying. I'm in prayer now. You are my God. I will not tolerate any other thing. Nobody's going to take your place in my life. And I'm saying it to him. You get where I'm going now? Nobody's going to be there. And I'm not going to bow my knees to anything, not money, not fame. God, you help me. Nothing is going to take your place in my life. I'm not going to bow. Many times people bow to money. They hurt people because of money. And that's the second commandment. You know, you shouldn't bow your, your knee to any other graven image. Nothing. No likeness, nothing. So I'm telling God, I'm not going to create any image in my life. Nothing else is more important to me than you. I'm going to worship you and I'm telling, you, telling him from my mouth. I'm not going to worship any other God. Let Satan hear it. I'm worshiping no other God. You are my God and I'm bowing to nothing, nothing. No sickness, no disease. I'm going to trust you, just you alone. You are my God. And then I go to the third, third commandment. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I have, these days I'm a little more careful. Because the Bible says the name of Jesus is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I can't just be using the name. The demons don't know when to bow or when you're just kidding. Alright. It's not against you, but I need to know. So I'm saying, God, please, wash, help me wash my tongue when it comes to your name and how I handle you. Because I have to handle God with reverence. If I'm sitting in an office, somebody says the word Jesus, I'll turn around quickly. What is he saying in that for? Is he in dishonor? Or do they really mean business? 
This is the, the name that's above every name. This is number one name on the earth. This is the name that brings salvation to everybody. So God, please help me to honor your name. Amen. Help me to honor your name and to love your name. Taking that God's name. And then you move on to the next one. The Sabbath day. He says, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I think in recent times, God has been sharing with me the major problems with Christians and why they are having a lot of trouble in their lives and they are running to and fro trying to get rid of their problems and so many things coming at them. Two reasons. The way they treat the Sabbath day, the day of the Lord. That's number one. And the way they handle tithes. That's, that's, that's killing a lot of Christians. God's been sharing this with me. I can get rid of it. That's the two number one sin in the body of Christ. People don't realize when God, in the Old Testament, when God says to keep the Sabbath day, that day was for man. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man. But the Lord's day is the Lord's day. It's not Saturday. Jesus rose on this on Sunday. And from then on, the disciples honored Sunday. They didn't play with Sunday. It was very important to them. If you read in Revelation, John said, I was in the island of Patmos on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit. In other words, he got up that morning. He knew it was Sunday. This is the time to worship him. Even though he was isolated on an island by himself. He knew to honor God. And guess what? Jesus showed up and gave him revelation. That doesn't mean you can't go to work on Sunday, but you need to have a respectful attitude towards that day. It's not law. You see, we look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. And I want him to know that this day is important to me even though I'm at work doing something. This is a special day. I know I'm working here, but all my brothers are praising you. If I could, I'd be there with them. And I'm really there with them in the spirit. But if your attitude is, well, I got to go to work, he sees your heart. He knows what's there. God says, those who honor me, I'll honor. So I'm praying to him, God, you help me. Help me to honor your day. And to give what belongs to you, to you. The second thing is the tithe. People don't realize. When God says that thing is holy, don't touch it. You don't want to touch it. Don't argue about it. Just do it. Just do it. So I'm praying, God, give me grace. Never to fight against what you have said is yours. No matter what's happening in my life, I'm not going there. Help me, God. Because it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit of God. So help me, God, never to think that way, but always accept your word, no matter what it says. I need your help. That's prayer. And that way you're strengthening your mind. It's so important. So we go down. What about your parents? That's the first one. I was listening to a minister, well known all over the world. He's taking this commandment in his heart, not by law. Because even in the New Testament, he says, 
In Ephesians chapter 6, honor your father and your mother. That's the first commandment with promise. And this is New Testament. He didn't change anything, still the same. So that your day, that may be well with you and that your days may be long. Still there. He says, no matter where I am, I'm asking myself, am I honoring my parents? And he's constantly sending them money because he can't be there. He calls them constantly. I gotta keep this commandment. Sometimes we, do, we think these things are not important. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We overlook these things. But God knows you. Either you don't have understanding that God means what he's saying. He didn't say it for himself. He said it for your benefit. If you refuse to obey, you reap the reward of that. But I want to obey him. So I'm saying, God help me to honor my parents. To listen to them. Young people listen. Even if your parents don't make sense, because young people, when I was a teenager, I thought my mother was old-fashioned and didn't understand the world. I was smarter than she was. <laughs> Later I found out she knew much, better, <laughs> much more than I knew. I wish I listened to her. Listen. Because there's wisdom there. Honor your parents. God will bless you. So I'm asking God, please help me to honor them. Mother. Nobody's going to come to church with with, uh, a shotgun in hand, right? But they could carry a shotgun in their heart to church, right? Shooting at that brother standing over there. That's one of the things that's eating Christians. So I'm telling God I need your help. Bitterness will destroy you. That's where you begin to tell God, God, do I have anything against anybody in my heart? I don't want to commit murder. Forgive me. Reveal it to me. I'm not holding anybody down. I'm forgiving everybody, everyone. I'm turning them loose. Because when you have all hatred and ill will, the first person that it destroys you. Because you are ever actually setting up a template for your destruction. It won't end there. Other things will keep coming until you are destroyed. So I'm asking the Lord in prayer, please help me. As I do this, I pray in tongues. Amen? And I'm going through scriptures. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm going through scriptures and telling the Lord, I'm not going to hold anything, no ought. I confess everything. If I have something against somebody, I speak it with my mouth, I forgive. And you know how God is? If you say, I forgive, immediately he will reply to you, what about John? <laughs> and I don't want to talk about John, okay? He says, well, we're not going farther till we finish John's matter. Amen. And so you walk away, the next day you come, I forgive everybody. He goes again, what about John? And he says, I don't want to talk. And one day you say, okay, I give up John also. <laughs> because as you pray, you are building up yourself, amen? You are building up yourself in the word of God. And the world becomes a part of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're really building up yourself. You know the scriptures. You know what you're doing. But you're spending time with your Father. And your Holy Spirit is able to put download things into your spirit. You know your life is being transformed as you do that. 
Because you're trying, your mouth, life and death are in the power of the tongue. You're saying all these things by faith. And how do we live as Christians? By faith. And guess who you're talking to? Your heavenly father. Just being in his presence will transform your life. Saying words, he'll say, the glory of God has come upon this house. You remember Zacchaeus? Yeah. He'll see what's going on because of what was coming out of his mouth. Amen. So, we go down committing adultery. That's something we've got to pray about. You know, these things, we live in the world. Every one of us is out there. So I've got to ask God, please protect me. I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. And yes, I know I'm a Christian, but without you, I can do nothing. Help me, protect me in every way. I need, especially this area, I need some help. I may need help. That's crying out to God. I need help. Protect me. Don't want to go that way. Help me. That's why Jesus said, pray like this. That God will not allow you to fall into temptation. So help me. I don't want to go there. I don't want to ever do this. Ever in my life. But I can trust myself. I'm trusting in you. So I need your help. That's why you stand and deliver. Purifying and cleaning yourself. So that when you walk into his presence, you've taken care of business. Now is to worship him. Amen. So important. And you go back down. Am I a thief? The worst type of stealing is stealing from God. Don't go there. <laughs> so you tell him, God, I'm not, I'm not going to ever steal from you. Please help me. You are praying by telling him stuff. And then lying and gossiping, all of those things. Not rejoicing with people when God's blessing them. Instead, wanting it for yourself. That's wrong. You rejoice with your brother. He built a brand new house. When are we going to celebrate? They can see genuine joy that you are happy for them. And because, why are you doing that? You know by faith, God did it for them. He's going to do it for me. So I can rejoice with them. I don't have to worry. When God promotes them, you rejoice with them. Call them. Let's celebrate. Instead of saying, God, I don't know why you're doing that for him. He doesn't attend church often. (laughs) You rejoice with them. And as you do that, you're purifying yourself. You know, these things help you to know who you are in Christ. Clarify your identity. Make, helps you with who you are with the Father. A lot of Christians, of many Christians I should say, don't know who they are in Christ. They have what I call identity crisis. He asked them, Who are you in Christ? I don't know. Pastor knows. He'll tell you. You should know. And in doing these things, you get to know who you are. You're identifying with, with who God says you are. Identifying with His Word. Becoming one with the Word. Amen? And if you have a transformed mind... You will have what? A transformed life. Because you know who you are. A lot of Christians sign in, for, they receive every package that comes their way. It, 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 Satan brings a package to them and, and they don't know what the word says. 
They have not separated themselves using the word of God. And so they receive every package. Sickness, whatever it is. They receive packages from Satan when he brings it to them. They don't check before they sign. As soon as he brings his package, Satan brings his package to them. They receive the package. Sign for it. Say, thank you, Satan. Bye. And they send him going. Find out who you are in Christ by praying this way. And identifying with the Father. And identifying with who you are in Christ. Separating yourself from the world so that your mind is not conformed to this world. But then you are renewing your mind. And then your life is being transformed from glory to glory as you do this daily. It's a daily thing. You separate yourself as you keep speaking these things. I'm never going to serve any other God but you. Guess what your heart says? That's right. And then faith rises. And if anything comes against that, your mind says, no, that's not my package. Get lost, devil. I'm not doing that. Because it's been built into your spirit. Anyone getting any something, something this morning? He's built into your spirit. Is that part of who you are? You know who you are. I'm not going there. This is where I'm going. I'm not serving other gods. I'm going to respect my parents. That's who I am. I'm not dishonoring them. You know who you are. And what you do and what you can't do. You know that. But if you don't do this, you'll be a yo-yo Christian. It's hot over here. Let's run over there. Oh, it's cold now. Let's go this way now. Now this is where it's hot. I don't need to do that. Do I need God to walk in my life? I really need that. Every day. I tell him that every day. It's between me and him. Amen? If you don't have a prayer life, you're not living. You can get all the excuses you want to make. Tell God how busy you are. Do you understand? I you understand that. He's just wasting your time. I don't know you, but he knows what's going on with your life. If this is serious with you, if heaven is serious in your heart, if Jesus really means something to you, you'll change. But if you don't, You'll meet a real angry God one day because he left everything on that cross for you and you didn't pay one little bit of attention. You did your own thing. It's not going to be fun. God died for you and you ignored it like it was nothing. That's not going to be fun. That curses me. (laughs) God help me. God help me. So important. So after you've done all of that and you've purified yourself before the Lord, now is to go into the holy place for a time of worship and renewal. As you walk into the holy place, to the left you'll see the table that holds the candlestick. The candlestick is always lit has seven branches. And that candlestick represents the Holy Spirit. 
In Revelation, the Bible talks, I believe it's Revelation chapter 3, talks about the seven spirits of God. I thought it was one Holy Spirit. But the Bible says it's the seven spirits of God. And those seven branches to the candlestick always on fire. Constantly burning. You cannot burn for God without the Holy Spirit. You cannot. He is called what? The helper. You are helpless without the helper. A lot of people talk to the Father. And they worship the Father and that's good. And we talk to Jesus and that's very good. And we worship Jesus, that's good. But people take the Holy Spirit to be an it. He is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. Hey, He is God. He is the Lord. He is taking the place of Jesus on the earth. Jesus received worship while he was here. The Holy Spirit has replaced him right here on earth while Jesus is seated with the Father in heavenly places. The one walking intimately with us right now is the Holy Spirit. He is a person, not an experience, not speaking in tongues. I like that. He is a person. He needs to be worshipped. He has a personality. The Bible says he can be grieved. So when I get in there, that's my time to worship the Holy Spirit. That's my time to acknowledge his presence in my life. A lot of people haven't even said a word to him as if he doesn't exist. He's a person. I got to talk to him. Just like they talk to Jesus, ask questions from Jesus. If you read through the New Testament Acts of the Apostles, they received instruction from him. They said, the Holy Spirit said, separate for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them unto. Who said it? The Holy Spirit spoke. Not Jesus, not God the Father. The Holy Spirit spoke. They knew it then, we should know it today. We need to talk to him and get directions from him. These are the deep things we're talking about. Going deep. Deep calls out to, to deep. If you really want to grow, you listen. I, in my life, I don't have, I've said it on Wednesday, I, don't, I have nothing to prove to anybody. I'm not going to impress you. There's only one person to impress. Him. That's all I'm concerned about. Him. Big congregation, small congregation, doesn't matter. But I will have a big one. That's what I desire. And the Bible says, he'll give you the desires of your heart. But first, I got to go to him. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added. I'm seeking him. Those things will be added. That's a given. I don't have to pursue them. The seven spirits of God. The first one, and I'm... The first one is the spirit of wisdom. The Bible tells us. I can pull scriptures on all of this. But the first one is the spirit of wisdom. I need his wisdom so that I can solve all problems. 
The second one is the spirit of understanding. I need his understanding to solve my own problems. I need his understanding for the deep truths that's in the scripture. I need that. So that I can teach the word of God and teach God's people. Then there is the spirit of counsel. I need this, the spirit of counsel to solve my problem and the problems of others. First, wisdom to solve all problems. Remember Solomon? Bring any problem, he has the answer. It's the same spirit. Solomon wasn't born with the wisdom he had. It was given to him. And Christ has become the wisdom of God to us. To solve every problem. Cancer. Understanding. And then, fourth is the spirit of knowledge. To know the fear of the Lord. A lot of people don't fear God anymore. They just live the way they like. They'll tell you this. It doesn't matter. Have you heard that? It doesn't matter. Do you have to pray to get to heaven? It doesn't matter. They treat God like God's nothing. No fear. Christians are doing really crazy stuff. Not the big stuff. I mean the little, little stuff that's killing them. It doesn't matter. I need the fear of God so that I can walk humbly before God. I need to know that fear of God so that I can walk humbly. If you humble yourself, God will lift you up. Pride goes and then comes the fall. I need you, God, to humble me. I need the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. So I pray that God give me what it is, whatever it is. I don't, it's not found here in, on earth. I need you to baptize me with the fear of the Lord so I don't act silly before you and reap the consequence. That's prayer. Amen? That's prayer. I need the spirit of mind so that I can heal the sick and cast out devil. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by his spirit. I need this, the righteousness, spirit of righteousness so that I can have right thinking. So that I can have right actions. So that I can have right words. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable before you, O oh God. I can't do that by myself, but you help me. So that what, the things that I think and, and what, I'm, what I'm saying and what I'm doing, they're all acceptable before you. I need your help. That's prayer. And then I need His holiness. That's the seventh one. His spirit of holiness, so that I can experience His spirit of His holiness. Yeah, holiness means to be set aside for God. Set me apart, O oh God, for Your use. Stand up with me this morning. I know this is not a message for shouting. 
But I want to be transformed. Amen? I know I don't have the power against anything. But with Jesus helping me, and we're talking about prayer. Remember the title of the message? Life-changing prayer. Because as you say those words and you confess them daily, your life is going to be confessed, I mean changed, transformed from glory to glory. I'm not just preaching this morning. I'm asking people do it. I'm doing it. Amen? Do that. Start from the outer court with praise. And go as you go into the level. And then as you go into the holy place, we're going to be talking about the table of showbread. But remember, this what we talked about, the Holy Spirit, that's what sets your life on fire. It seems like every time the Holy Spirit comes, He's on fire. When He came on the day of Pentecost, it was what? Tongues of fire. Candle, always burning. Always burning. I need the Holy Spirit. Amen? I need the Holy Spirit. Let's lift our hands up this morning. First, I want us to thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him and thank God. And pray as you pray right now for those who are among us that may not have really experienced the love of Jesus. We want them to experience God's love today and pray that God will uh, help them to accept God's love with a deep conviction inside of them that will last forever. All heads bowed. Put your hands down, please. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you're here this morning, I'm talking to you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, most, most likely everything that I'm saying to you is just words. But that's because you haven't entered into Him. When you get into Christ, these things will make a lot of sense to you. You haven't begun to live until you bring Jesus into your life. He, in your life, gives you eternal life. All heads bow. You're here this morning and say, look, I, I really don't have a relationship with God. If I die today, I'm not sure if I'll go to heaven. But I'd like to know. If that's you this morning, at the count of three, I want you to put your hand up before God, honoring Him, and put it right down. And I will pray for you, and God will hear your prayers, and your name will be written in the book of life. If you're here this morning and you've been following God, for a long time, but you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You feel like you are apart from God, but you'd like to come back home. You'd like to come back home to God today. God wants to receive you. And He's telling me to tell you this morning, Son, daughter, I need you back home. Your chair has been empty too long. I need you back home. If that's you this morning, at the count of three, which I'll do quickly, put your hand up quickly and put it back down and we'll pray for you. Here we go. One, two, three. Put that hand up. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I, I believe that you mean business with God. And God saw that hand and he's going to respond very well and you'll feel his presence. It's so good that you did that. You honored him when you raised your hand up. And God said, those who honor me, I will honor. I know the honor of God is upon your life now. What you need to do is come back. And let God begin to, begin to deal with you as a son, as a daughter. And grow you up so you get to know him. And life will be meaningful. And life will be great, prosperous, and good for you. Because God is now in your life. 
Father, thank you for these that have lifted your hands today. I know you've received them. But we must speak to you and ask what we need from you. From you, Lord God. Thank you. If you lifted your hands this morning, pray with me. And I need the whole congregation to pray with me. If you didn't lift your hand up, because for whatever reason, uh, pray the prayer minute in your heart. God will still hear you. And your name will be written in the book of life. So join me as we pray. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son to die for my sins. Lord, I ask you to forgive me my sins. Receive me as your servant. Write my name in your book of life. Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Thank you for receiving me. I know that my name has been written the book of life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me let you know this. If you said that prayer and you really meant it, and that's the first time, God forbid, that's, this will never happen. But if you die today, you close your eyes here and you will be right there, seated with the Father in His right hand. Just for, the, for saying those few words. Because He loves you that much. That's how good our God is. Amen. Let me pray for you. I'm going to read God's word in prayer according to His commandment. Lift your hands up this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Receive God's blessing according to what God commanded. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you with this message.